0: Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more info, you can check us out on Facebook at Life Church of Columbia. If you can't. If you can't, that's alright. We'll cry with you. Telling Kenny a while ago, I said, Man, it's crazy how you don't understand the magnitude of an impact someone has until this moment. And then yeah, you're like, yeah. you're just thinking, Golly. <laughs> uh, just the last time the uh <laughs> just this past time we were together he pulled me to the side over there and he said he said, I need you to know I love you. <laughs> I said, I love you too, Papa Flicky. He said, No. And you know I really really love here. and as a young minister coming up yeah. why wow, I've always pushed to honor and everything the best I could because as a young leader a young minister coming up you can't know how important that is you can't you can't know the strength you can't know I mean it's just to know that I have this this core group I feel like you've always just had my back uh, even with me coming in and wanting to be the guy that changes everything. Like, I think everything should be different. And I told Benny, stand up here. I was like, I just felt like you've always fought for me. And things like that are just so big. And uh, it's just. So I had planned to share some stuff this morning uh, just on what's going on to keep you up to date. uh, Because I, I told Courtney, I said, I feel like missionaries are really good at coming in and sharing pictures and just telling you things that are going on. And it's really awesome. But we never do that. With here, like I feel like a lot of times we're going and doing a whole lot, but you don't really know what's going on. And and now I actually feel like it's even more appropriate. I do have some stuff I'm going to teach you this morning. Some things God wants to just drop in your spirit quick. I do understand that uh, the saints play the early game, and I'm aware of it. Uh, so, but I want to share this real quick. So, Jason, we're just going to go through these pictures quickly because now I just feel like it's so important. Uh, God has opened up some opportunities and some things going on with the students here. Probably this year, it's beginning to open up and move more than it has in a long time. Uh, This is actually chapel at Old Bethel Christian Academy. We go in there every single week and preach the gospel, share with the students, teach the kids. Uh, It's just amazing. Go on, Jason. Uh, This is Caldwell Junior High. This was, we had our first crossfire. We've never been able to have crossfire at the junior high in all of the years. I told Courtney, I think now we've been doing student ministry for almost 13 years, which seems like forever. But this is the first year we've got to go into Caldwell Junior High and do Crossfire. This is us standing preaching the gospel to 102 students. They get to go to any club they want to. They chose to be at this club, and we had eight first time salvations happen in the middle of our junior high. It was phenomenal. You can go on, Jason. This is the high school here at Caldwell. This was our first crossfire of the year. We had somewhere around 80, 80 to 90 students ish, somewhere in that area. Also, if you pay attention, you can see a couple of hands raised there as well. Uh, this one, uh, there was a few for salvation, and then there was also a few that we just got to pray with and speak into and declare. It was just, it was an awesome moment. I want you guys to know what you're investing in here at Life Church. There's so much happening. Uh, go ahead, Jason. Uh, this is, I had to throw this one in there. This, uh, a week ago now, we did a life group uh, with some of the students at Lacey and Michael's house. This was them at the end of the group, but they us adults mostly just sat back. And these students went in there with nothing but an acoustic guitar and they began to worship and just bring the presence of God into the room until they started getting visions and speaking into one another and praying over one another, encouraging one another. This is just, this is the kingdom of God and this is what you're investing in. Let's go. What else we got? Uh, This is at LaSalle High School this past Friday. Students decided they wanted to start a morning prayer. So... Friday morning, some of these students, there was no adults in that circle. None of us are there. Actually, this picture we only got because, you know, Cher, she hid in the parking lot and took pictures from a distance. (laughs) It was funny. I could just picture her. I know she was on her phone, but I could just picture her in the bushes one of those cameras where it zooms way out, you know what I mean, Uh, So they just started. They were so pumped up. I believe now they will be having prayer every Friday morning. uh, Just student led by themselves. So proud of these guys. Go ahead. Uh, This actually was the same thing on the same day. We didn't know these weren't like coinciding. We didn't correlate this all together and do all that. Just so happens that on the same Friday, a group of students at Caldwell High School decided they were going to meet. They were going to pray at the pole. This was their turnout Friday morning. They had an awesome time. I'm telling you. All right, go ahead, Jason. We got more? This one I had to throw it in here because these are my two dudes right here. I'm so proud of them. This is a couple of our guys before a football game just taking the time to separate themselves and pray even on the field. I'm telling you, this is uh, Eli and Kanan, right? Did I get that right? And uh, so just super proud of them. These kids, if you notice, there's a common theme through most of these pictures, and it's prayer. If we can get a group of students that know how to pray, it's over. We win, right? Is that it? I think that's the last one. Uh, Also, I had a testimony this week of uh, one of the students in our group, one of the younger students, decided uh, he was going to start a Bible study club so to speak, at his school, and just started spreading the word, saying, hey, we're going to meet, we're going to have a Bible study. Well, I was at the bank working on some account stuff for the business and different kinds of things, and a lady pulled me aside. She said, hey, are you so-and-so, and and you know this kid, and... I was like, "Yeah, I'm doing it." She said, "Well, my daughter came home from school today so excited about the Bible study she joined that she got the family together and they went over the Bible study and quoted the things that he was teaching in there in the school. Now, so I'm telling you, there's some incredible things going on, right? That's what you are investing in. That's what you're being a part of. I just ha- and it just seems so appropriate today with what we've honored the legacy, the history of what we have here." Students, everything you're enjoying right now and the freedoms that you're getting to experience in all of these pictures started with this group right here that was willing to sacrifice to have this place. Uh, so, anyway, I just had to let you know what's going on. Uh, can I share just a little bit with you? I have three points, three things I want to drop in you really quick. I'm not going to take a lot of time. I, I didn't, it wasn't a plan that, oh, I'm going to speak a short sermon today. I just, God had me narrowed in on these three things, and this is what we're going to deal with and talk about. I actually got the title from my wife. I was trying to explain to her what I wanted, what I was talking about, and I'm a title person, like everybody that speaks here. You can ask anyone that speaks, I come to them and say, give me a title. And a lot of times they're like, I don't really do titles. I will make something up, because it's got to be on the screen. So uh, I was just sharing with her what I was going to speak about, and she said, sons of thunder. And she added some other stuff that was not good, so I dropped it, and I just used the good part. Uh, <laughs> uh, but teamwork makes the dream work, right? Uh, so today I want, I'm want i going to title this Sons of Thunder, and we're going to start in Luke chapter 9. Uh, when I say Sons of Thunder, you may already know the story. You may know exactly what I'm going to be talking about, or you may think you do. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Uh, I hear a few pages turning, so that's kind of different. I'll give you a minute uh I told them it was it was really different because I've been doing student ministry for now about 13 years and when I this is my first year to get to go in and do the older to be at Old Bethel Christian Academy's chapel and I do it every week and I walked in there and got ready I show up the first morning you know me I didn't have a bible like I had my phone but I was just going to quote scripture from memory and like I just walked in there, I was ready to go, and I was like, all right, are y'all ready? And they all pulled out Bibles and notepads and was marking their in dating. and I was like, what? I've never spoke to kids that had Bibles and notepads, so it was pretty awesome. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 51 says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers before his face. As they went, they entered a village of Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, somebody say sons of thunder. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they come up with a great idea. (laughs) These guys. Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume them like Elijah did? I can just see Jesus in this moment like, oh my God, really? After all this time, this is the best idea you could come up with. (laughs) So Jesus turned and rebuked them. Maybe I should let that sit in the room. He rebuked them and he said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are. Somebody say manner of spirit. Of spirit. For the sand the San, the San of man, the son of man, did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save, save them. Catch this. And they went on to another village. They let it go. <coughs> I'm just going to let that sit on you for a minute. They just let it go. Jesus was the absolute best at letting it go. So until you can let it go, you're not really that much like Jesus. Wow. All right, Mike, I'll see you later, bro. <laughs> Don't forget to be at work tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I'm just letting it sit on y'all for a minute because it's been sitting on me. So, So dad kind of started all this with me uh, a few weeks back in one of his sermons. Uh, He made a statement. He said, Visitation always precedes habitation. If you notice in the story, Jesus was intending to go somewhere. They went to make preparations for him. They wouldn't allow them to make the correct preparations, so Jesus went somewhere else. Mm. Jesus said, I'm going to allow the representation of my spirit, which is my disciples, to go and prepare a place for me. And if that place won't allow itself to be prepared, then I'll just pick another one. See, I'm the type that believes if Mary would have said no, Jesus would have went to the next one. I do believe in destiny. I believe in calling. I believe in all that. But I believe God is too big to let your no stop him from what he wants to do. And I believe God wants to pour out revival so bad that if your church won't get ready, someone else's will. So visitation always precedes habitation. And Jesus had intentions to go to a town and remain there. But they did not make the, they would not allow the correct preparations. So they went on to another village. And another village got to experience the preparation of the Lord. Oh, it, mm. But what I want to notice here, there's two themes running in this one story, and it's hard to separate and deal with two different ones. Uh, I'm not going to reteach dads on the idea of preparation and what He's been telling us is needed in our house, that God is visiting, and if He's visiting, He's visiting for preparation. And if the preparation goes well, then we experience habitation. All that is absolutely phenomenal. But in the teaching, He brought out this idea of us not having the Scriptures and the Spirit. And the problem when you have Scripture with no Spirit, the Scripture just becomes a stone in your hand. And you'll throw that stone at people... Because the Spirit is not behind. And if I may be wrong, you may can correct me, but every time Jesus encountered people with stones in their hands, the ones with stones were wrong. So just because yours looks like a scripture you can quote and put on your fridge doesn't mean you're right. You could just be holding a really clever stone. So when we are harsh towards people who don't receive what we are experiencing, then we're technically no different than a Pharisee standing there with a stone in his hand. So if there's ever something going on and you're experiencing and your church is happening and your family's going through it, but someone else is not and they're not receiving it like you think they should receive it, the moment you become harsh towards that person, you have chosen to take a stone and say, because the Old Testament said I could, I'm going to kill you with a stone. And so we find ourselves in a situation where they're not receiving Jesus like they should, so the sons of thunder come up with this great idea, why don't we just call down fire out of heaven and kill them all? But notice he says, like Elijah did. He took what he thought he knew about a scripture and tried to use it to justify how he felt about the moment. Come on, I'm going to let some of this stuff sink in. Y'all ready? He took what he thought he knew about the scripture and tried to use it to justify how he felt in the moment. Was his feeling based on a good cause? Yes, they wouldn't receive Jesus and he was upset about it. But what happens is, if you were to go read the story of Elijah, you would understand that it was nothing like that. That it was actually an entirely different setup. And and so what happens is, he takes just the little bit he knows that he does not have the spirit of, and he uses that to try to justify what he wants to do in the moment. That's why Jesus turns and says, you don't know what spirit you're of. What manner of spirit that you're operating from. So God began to take me on a journey this week and began to show me some things. And and we're just in this, uh, we're in this movement, so to speak, right now. We're in this time right now where God is just directing and guiding and things are happening. I think if you can't tell that something's changing, then you're just oblivious to everything that's going on. We're in this moment. We're in this thing, okay? And when this is happening, God began to Put the brakes on me this week and say, I want to show you a few things that you're going to have to be careful of because you are in revival. I'm going to show you some things that wouldn't have been an issue if they weren't in revival. Now, when this story comes, and they're going into a Samaritan town, and they're saying, hey, we're about to bring Jesus in. We want to prepare a place. We want to get ready for him. The Samaritans reject him. And they come up with this idea, let's just call down fire and kill everybody. When they come up with this idea It's tempting to think, oh, well, they're just super new to this. Let's recap. Are you ready? You got your Bibles? If you go back in Luke, we just read this in Luke chapter 9. If you go back in chapter 4, chapter 3, Jesus gets baptized. Chapter 4, he's tempted by Satan. Uh, In chapter 4, he's also rejected at Nazareth. After that, starting at the end of verse 4 up to verse uh, I mean chapter 4 to chapter 9, you'll see somewhere around 12 to 15 recorded miracles. You'll see the Sermon on the Mount where he taught the the beatitudes. You'll see a couple of his most famous parables. You'll also see a couple of chapters back where Jesus sent the 12 out And they healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the lepers, preached the gospel. Revival was breaking out and going like crazy. And he was sending out the 12 to do it. They were going out. These guys were not new. They'd been in this for a while. They had seen how Jesus operates. They had seen the miraculous. They had seen all of these things. Because when I first started getting into this this week, I was thinking, yeah, but Jesus, if we're following you, if we're pursuing, we're not going to have to worry about these things. And it was like he just began to pull me back to the scripture and say, they were literally walking with me. (laughs) Literally walking with me and the temptation came to handle people in this way. And because of what they were experiencing, if they hadn't have went through this whole timeline of everything that they had seen, then the rejection of the Samaritans wouldn't have carried the weight that it carried. So right now, you may be thinking, oh, well, I've experienced some rejection. But until you've been in the whirlwind of revival, the rejection doesn't carry the weight that's about to carry. And when the rejection starts carrying this kind of weight, it's going to be tempting to justify how you feel by reaching back to grab a scripture that's not filled with grace. It's just a stone. And I'm going to want to justify the way I feel right now so I guess what I've come today is to prepare you for some things that I believe will kill your revival. Notice I said your revival. Because I'm not going to give you enough credit to kill mine. All right, But it can kill your revival. If I love to study revival. I love to study the history of revival. And most revivals didn't end well. Started phenomenal, but they didn't end well. And most of them didn't end well because at some point the way they felt about a situation, about a group of people, about whatever it may have been, began to creep into the church and they begin to justify how they felt by using, well, God's moving in my church. We must be the ones. It must be all about life church because, man, have you seen what we're experiencing? And that becomes the harshness in your heart towards another people. And Jesus said, I can't do that. I can't operate. I didn't come that anyone should experience that harshness. So we have to be very careful of what manner our spirit is of. I'm just so convinced that we're going to start experiencing things on such a magnitude, such a big level, that this becomes a temptation. Right now, it's probably not a big temptation because we're not operating on the level that these guys were. But in the midst of it, all of a sudden they find a way. One of the quotes was from Dad a few weeks back was Scripture without the Spirit becomes a stone in the hand. So we as live church are gonna have to guard our hearts because not everybody's gonna receive it. Not everybody wants, y'all know, we heard the story this morning. When God begins to pour out his spirit, not everybody wants to be a part of it. And sometimes they're going to reject, and they're not going to want it, and they're going to push you to the side. And those are the the moments where we have to guard our hearts. That we, like Jesus, say, I didn't come for anyone to get hurt, but I came that everyone could experience life, so let's just let it go. Let's just move on. So right now I'm going to say this to the room. If you're looking to go into the depths of revival, the depths of the kingdom that we're pursuing You better let it go. I'm telling you, that weight won't make it where we're going. And if we can't learn to let it go, how many of you would be willing to admit that over the last year or so, you've had some situations where I just need to let it go? I'm just going to be honest. I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I probably said some things about it, but I'm going to let it go. Now at this moment, I have to move on. You have to find the village Where Jesus is setting up. Don't get hung up in the village where you wanted him to be. Come on, the disciples wanted him to have his preparation time in a certain village. But it didn't work out, so he moved it to another village. Don't get lost in that one. Don't get so hung up in the other village that Jesus is making preparations over here, but you're still over there because you're mad about the people who wouldn't receive it, the people who didn't go with it, the people that didn't like it, the people that weren't a part of Well, they said this, and they did that. Well, guess what? You're stuck in the same village they're in, and God's over there pouring out revival. And he's not... Let it go. Let it go. If they kick you out of that church, buy 10 acres and start your own. Man, that worked so good. <laughs> ah, let it go. Somebody sing it real quick. Let it go. <laughs> the most famous Disney soundtrack in the world. All right, you ready? That was point number one. I don't know what to call it, just put one. Okay? Be careful. Yeah, let it go. Point number one, let it go. Find the village he's moving in. Luke chapter 9, verse 49. Now John answered. John's just on a roll right now. You know, the the beloved who ran to the tomb first. I love John. He's my favorite. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone... Casting out demons in your name? But don't worry, we shut it down. We stopped them. You know why we stopped them? Because they don't go to our church. I'm just going to let y'all have it. And Jesus said, you did what? <laughs> At this point, I feel like Jesus feels like a kindergarten teacher. Like, You did What? Do not forbid him, for if he's not against us, he's on our side. They can be not with us and still for us. You better let it go. You better let it go. Well, they don't think it like we think it. Well, chances are you probably both think it wrong. Can we just be honest with this? Because they were so convinced that the way they thought was the right way. They were casting out demons, and those people were casting out demons. But I thought one way, and they thought another way. And we find out a few scriptures later, Jesus said, you're both wrong. You're both wrong. You're both wrong. But just because they're in another company, they're in another place, they're in another ministry, just because they're in another... I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Just because they're in another denomination, oh, come on, y'all ain't ready for this. Just because they're, it doesn't matter, they can still be for us. And we better get real careful on who we think is not in the clique, who we thinks not in the group. The only thing that matters is the witness of the Holy Spirit. And if that doesn't become the governing factor in my life, then everything else doesn't matter. Jesus, they were doing the work of the kingdom, but they don't do it like we do it. They don't wear hats in their church. They still sing hymnals in their church. They say, who cares what they do in their church? The kingdom of heaven is being advanced and people are being saved. If I recall right, one time God did it with a donkey. I wanted to say something else, but whoo. I felt like I was channeling my inner Bobby Stowe. Where's he at? You see what I'm saying? We've become so caught up on this is the way we do it. And we have to do it like this. And we're so mad because you're not doing it here. And you're not accomplishing it here. Well, who is that for? If the kingdom is being advanced, but it's not being advanced in your church, is it for your church or is it for the kingdom? Is it so we can say we're right? Or is it so people can go to heaven? What are we about? Are we about the kingdom advancing or are we about life church advancing? Where can I go? God's getting us ready. <laughs> <laughs> Who gets to draw that line? I can disagree with you and still build the kingdom with you. I can prove it. Because you would be amazed at how much we disagree on. We're in ministry together all the time. Growing a church together. Working together. But it doesn't mean we have to think exactly the same. I know when we say it, it sounds so simple. But how much division, how much jealousy, how much offense are we living in and around and through... For these exact things. They're not doing it here. They're not doing it like us. They're not doing it through this. Whatever it may be, I just, I just want to see the kingdom win. And if he's got to use someone that I disagree with for the kingdom to win, then so be it. So be it. Point number two is they can be not with us and still be for us. Jesus, they were advancing the kingdom and casting out demons. They were setting people free, but we stopped them. Because if somebody's going to get free, they're going to get free from us. Come on. I'm just saying all the things that y'all are too scared to say. If they're going to get free, they better get free in this house. They better get free in our Celebrate Recovery. They better get free in our worship service. They better get free in our non-denominational style. They better get free with us in here wearing our hats and playing modern music Whatever it may be. And we become so consumed by our thing. And Jesus is saying, no, you missed it. You missed it. They can be not with us. And they can still be for us. So just because they're not with you, make sure that doesn't become the prejudgment that you put on their lives to declare that God can't use them. Or for it to become what gives you the right to judge how God is using them. Man, we become so... What's the word I'm looking for? I want to say analytical, but that's not the word. It's just a cool word. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that when someone else is being successful in ministry, you become like the ultimate critic? Come on, let's just be real this morning. Well, I heard. (laughs) Well, this happened. Well, they do it this way. Well, they've been involved in this. Well, they've been. And all of a sudden, we become this critic as if we're walking around raising the dead. I'm telling you, God is about to humble us down to a place where, Kenny, I don't have time to critique you. Because I'm just looking right here saying, God, I don't want to miss it. And I don't want to be wrong. And I'll love every person that you put in front of me. And I'll hook up with whoever I need to hook up with if it gets me into the place that you have called me to be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. If I was only willing to minister in the areas of our community where I got to do it with like-minded denominations, I would be nowhere in our community. I'm actually on a team right now, which is absolutely phenomenal because phenomenal, some things I've had y'all praying about. I've been included in a group right now that's student leaders from all over the parish. And we're texting, we're planning, we're putting things together, we're starting to talk about the things. Guess what? Every other person in this group is Baptist. But there hasn't been one conversation that said, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to be able to. I would love to, but you don't pray like I pray, so I'm going to just bow out. I know it sounds so obvious, but it's the majority of the church. We are so driven to make you think like I think. And to be honest, if they're going in there and loving on students... If they're finding their way in there, I'll hook right up beside them and I'll walk into any school, I'll walk into any football game, I'll do whatever it takes. And if it has to be with someone who does, and guess what? A lot of them that we're dealing with, they don't even go to my youth group. They go to their youth group. It's okay. Can we really come to the place that we're okay with this if the kingdom is winning? If they win, we win come on they can be not with us and still be for us third point and this is it Matthew chapter 16 we're actually going to pull from Peter because he gives us plenty of examples <laughs> even though he was not considered a son of thunder I want to show you something Matthew chapter 16 where are we starting 21 now let me, let me give you context 21 is the scripture that follows Peter giving the revelation of who Jesus was. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? They all give ideas, who they think, this and that and the other. Peter says, you are the son of God, all that kind of stuff. You know, he pours out this revelation. Jesus says, you didn't receive this from man, but from God. I mean, he's just had this mountaintop moment, right? And we literally go from that exact moment into verse 21. And it says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turns to Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. Satan. Pay attention because this is Peter's third name, by the way, if you're, if you're keeping track. First he's Peter, he said, now I'm going to call, first he's Simon, he said, now I'm going to call you Peter because you're a rock. Three verses later, you're Satan. All right. Ruin that. Get behind me, Satan, you're an offense to me. You know what offends Jesus? When you're mindful of the things of men and not the things of God. Jesus said, you, you're an offense. You're an offense to me because you're just thinking about what's best for you. Because Peter already had in his mind, this is our way to overthrow Rome. Jesus is hes the Messiah. He's here to overthrow our, our, our oppressors. This is the one. And their crowds are growing. Jesus shows up to a city and the entire city shows up. Their fame is growing. Their name is growing because of what Jesus is doing. And then Jesus says, okay, I know all this is going really, really well, but I'm about to die. And Peter begins to stop and think, wait, if he dies, we lose all this. So Peter is not saying... Oh, Jesus, I want to protect you because you're so perfect. No, Peter is saying, Jesus, if you die, we lose all this. I think you have to understand the severity of the moment because of Jesus' response to the moment. If Peter is genuinely concerned about the well-being of Jesus, then Jesus knows how to read that. Jesus said, I know what's in your heart. I don't even have to hear what you're saying. So Jesus' response in the moment lets me know that Peter was thinking about one thing. Him. So God began to show me that in the moments and the revival and the kingdom, it begins to swell and it begins to grow. People begin to say things like, Man, have you seen what's going on at Life Church? Have you been a part of Life Church? This happened at Life Church. All these things start to grow. And then all of a sudden, there's this understanding of the cross that starts to make itself known. And Peter says, Wait a second, the cross is not popular. Death is not popular. Death doesn't keep our numbers growing. Death doesn't keep the crowds coming. All of these things. He says, no, wait, 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 wait. Forbid you to do that. He rebukes Jesus. Jesus has this moment where He's testing His disciples. And He is saying, everything that has come to you has come because of your connection to Me and now I'm about to go to the cross and die, even though He tells them I'm coming back on the third day. All this is going to be great, but there's, he's, Peter is so consumed in the moment with what's going to happen to them. We know this because He said, you're just mindful of men. You're just mindful of what's going to happen to you. Jesus rebukes him. We can't use the success of the kingdom... To fulfill our personal agendas. If so, is it really just about God getting glory? Or is it about us, our ministry, our church, our house, our fame, our notoriety? What is it really, really about? I am convinced after this week of prayer... God walking me through these things that these are three characteristics that will kill the move of God. He won't back you up so that you can throw stones at other people. He's not going to do it. He's not going to solidify that by allowing his presence, his kingdom, his authority to rest in this house. He's not going to back you up to fulfill your own agendas and your personal desires. Whatever those things may be, it's His glory and His glory alone. We have to come to the point now where we are so committed that whatever has happened, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to move on to wherever Jesus is moving. And that I'm going to lay down my criticizing nature And I'm going to quit analyzing and criticizing every other thing I see happening in the kingdom. And I'm going to be willing to celebrate any and every victory that I see come. And lastly, I'm going to make sure with everything in me that my own personal agenda, that my personal name, my reputation, that none of that takes priority to what God is asking us to do. Because I personally can't see the kingdom coming on the level that we are asking it to come without it leading us through a cross. We'll have to crucify our own opinions, we'll have to crucify our own desires, we'll have to crucify our own agendas to honestly come to the place where we say, Jesus, we want your kingdom above everything else. And I refuse to live in offense. I refuse to let things rattle around in my head until they've become so big I have something against someone else. I refuse to let any of that last. I refuse to allow any of that to take root and live in who I am. But I want to live in the freedom and the kingdom of God. I feel this in my spirit right now because this church has been through a lot lately. Some of you have allowed some things to live in your head, and now it's grown to the size that you can't get past it. And even though we're pressing in and we're moving in and the kingdom is coming, you're going to have to deal with some things that have grown inside of you. You're either going to have to go to someone and talk to them, you're going to have to go to God and let this thing go. I refuse to miss what God is doing because I didn't agree with the way this was done or the way that was done. At this moment, I want His kingdom more than anything else. And I believe He brought me to these three points because all three of these points are just us being selfish. And whether we like to admit it or not, nine times out of ten, we take the selfish route. And we hold on to things, we judge things, we criticize things. We hope that these things make us look good. We hope that these things exalt us, whatever it may be. And I believe Jesus is saying, you're not mindful of the things I'm doing. You're of the, not the right manner of spirit. Wow. Man, one of the things they talked about yesterday over Fluky's life was a pureness of heart. That it's just legit, pure, like this is just who I am and that I can honestly say with all conviction that I am not in any of these three categories. That's where I want to be. I want to know that at no point Jesus is advancing the kingdom and growing the kingdom, and He has to stop what He's doing to turn around and rebuke me. Jesus in these stories, it is growing and swelling so fast that they're having to hide Jesus at times just so he can take a break, so he can breathe, so he can eat. I mean, it's growing like you can't imagine. And he has to shut the whole thing down to turn around and deal with selfish disciples. I don't want to be that disciple. So I'm praying. In my own time, God revealed everything in my heart. Exposed every little thing. When someone speaks and you feel that thing in your heart, that's your offense. You better get with it. You better deal with it before we start getting into this realm of the kingdom. I'm telling you, if someone ministers and it does something and you're just, oh God, you better deal with it. You better get in it. and Because remember Jesus, John, was it John comes to Jesus or Peter does and says, well, where am I going to be in the end and where am I going to be sitting? And Jesus responds and says, you don't worry about where I put them or what I do with him, how I exalt him. Don't worry about any of those things. You worry about where I have you in this moment. Can I tell you that is a word for the church right now. Quit criticizing and figuring out where everyone else is supposed to be and start figuring out where you're supposed to be. Start knowing that when Jesus moves, I'm moving with him. And when he speaks, I'm listening to what he's saying. I don't have time to criticize what you're saying. I'm too busy hearing what he's saying. I want to I want to live in a community that is so free from all of this petty selfishness that you can't. There's a there's a reel that's on on Instagram all the time that says you can't compete with me because I want you to win. I'm not. It would be very tempting to look at some of these other youth pastors and be like, oh, man, they they've got 100 kids. They've got this. They're doing this. They're doing I'm not competing with a single youth pastor in this parish. I don't have time to compete with them when I'm running my own race. I'm telling you guys, this is where we're at. And I believe God has taken the moment to let us know this pettiness will not go in my kingdom. It will not. And he'll raise up if he's asking you, Mary, to be the one that carries Jesus and your pettiness won't allow it. He'll find the Mary that's sitting next to you and he'll put it in her. We always use the scripture, he's no respecter of persons. Can I tell you what that means? That means if you say no, he'll find the person that says yes. Come on, I'm just being real with you guys today. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss this. Do we understand the reality that he could bring this revival and thus not be involved? He could flip this parish upside down and pour out his glory like we've never seen, and us sit here and not get a drop of it because of selfishness, because of arrogance, because of offense, because of all these things that we allow to just hang out in our hearts and hang out in our minds. And he could be releasing the kingdom of heaven. But we're too busy judging and criticizing and figuring out why. Telling you, I want the kingdom. I want His kingdom. And if it means crucifying that opinion that I have in here, so be it. Just let His kingdom come. I owe it to those students back there. I don't have time to be offended with you because I'm too worried about them making it. I'm just going to be real with y'all today. Me and Courtney were talking the other day about the urgency that's in us right now for our students. And if you're an adult in this room, and I have not been as invested into you as maybe you think I should be, can I tell you it's not about you? And please find a way to not be offended because right now there is an urgency in me that I know what He's asking me to do. And what he's asking me to do is make sure that these make it. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. Whatever it is. We heard, we heard Fluky preach it so good a while ago. Don't sit there and do nothing. Find what it is you're supposed to do. And I promise you, if you'll become consumed with what you're supposed to do, you'll quit worrying so much about what they're not doing. So often... We become so worried about what so many other people are doing because we have time to worry about what everyone else is doing. I don't have time to worry about you. Can I be real with you all today? (laughs) At this point, like I should ask. I'm just being honest with you guys. I don't have time to sit around and worry about what you're doing and what you're not doing. We're going after this thing. We showed you the pictures of what God is doing in our students and in our community right now. And to be honest, I don't want your leaders here to have to stop following what God is doing so we can turn around and deal with selfishness and pettiness and all of these things. I told Courtney, I was like, I'm not the warning preacher type. Like, that's not my, I've never even taught out of Jonah. But I am warning you today that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near, but you will miss it if you're in one of these three categories. You'll miss it. I'm going to close with this. Multiple times the Bible says Jesus would have passed them by. Jesus would have passed them by. But they made the necessary preparations to make sure he stopped at their house. We've seen it in the story we started with. They wanted Jesus to make preparations in one city, but they wouldn't, so he prepared them somewhere else. I'm 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 I don't know. I guess I'm begging you guys. I'm begging you make the necessary preparations. Deal with the offense, deal with the thoughts, deal with the pettiness, deal with the selfishness. It's not worth it. None of it will be worth it. Can you imagine? Courtney, I do want you to play. Is that okay? We're going to pray about something. I want to present it to you like this Peter becomes offended. I think I can safely use that. Peter's offended, right? Jesus is going to the cross told him he was going to deny him Peter's like there's no way I'd never do that I'm the best Christian you've ever met he ends up denying him he's offended he leaves he's denied Jesus three times and do you know the Bible I don't know how it worked I don't know how this happened and how it played out but do you know the Bible actually says that Peter and Jesus see each other your Bible says that at one moment after he's denied him they lock eyes can you imagine how small Peter felt? Can you imagine him thinking, God, I was so petty. It was so ridiculous. I can just imagine. I bet the denial was a drop in the bucket compared to the look. When he seen Jesus. And he had to be just sitting there thinking, God was so petty I was so childish I was so selfish and Jesus is at this point Jesus has to be carrying the cross right I'm I'm trying to run through the scriptures in my head how, how it played out that's right before he started carrying the cross so he's already beaten he's bloody they say he was beaten almost beyond recognition imagine Jesus in this state and Peter has just denied him And then all of a sudden they bring Jesus out of wherever He was. Peter is running from the ones that are accusing Him and he runs right back into Jesus. And here we have this moment where Jesus is beaten, stripped, humiliated. And Peter locks eyes with Him. Can you imagine how small I just want this to sit. I need you to go there. Come on. Put yourself in the story. Jesus has done everything for Peter to this point. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus has fed Peter for three years. He's shown him the ways of the kingdom for all of this time. And in a moment of weakness, of pettiness, of selfishness, Peter denies him. And now they've locked eyes. And Peter is standing there processing the whole situation. Now that you're there in the story, imagine God unleashes revival on the parish and people are being saved and delivered and set free. The Spirit of God is moving like you've never seen it before. But the pettiness in your heart has separated you from what Jesus is doing in the moment. And imagine running into Him and you have to deal with the fact that you couldn't deal with what was in your heart to be a part of what Jesus was doing in the moment. And here you are. Can you imagine feeling so small? How could I be so selfish? How could I be so petty that Jesus was doing all this but I couldn't deal with this issue? I couldn't deal with this offense. Come on, God is preparing our hearts for the kingdom. He's preparing our hearts for revival. So... I can't move on without giving you an opportunity come on we're about to we're about to put our money where our mouth is if you're sitting in here today and you're thinking you know what I, I, I feel that I've felt that when someone else is being successful and it does something on the inside of me I've felt that offense I've felt that thing I've felt that spirit of criticism I've felt that when when I thought you know what well they're not a part of our group how would God use them if that's you find an altar Get up here and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I ever. If the success started making you think, you know what, this could make me known. This could make Life Church on the map. This could make us look good. This could make, if it's been in your heart, come on, let's just ask God, forgive us. We're sorry. We just want the kingdom. It's not about us. It's not about Life Church. It's not about student life ministries. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the Lamb receiving the reward of His suffering. We owe Him everything. God, forgive us for being so petty. Forgive us for being so selfish that time and time again, we've made it about us. God, we're sorry today. We repent today. I don't want to stand and need to be rebuked because I was thinking about me and I wasn't thinking about you. Oh God, give us a pure heart. Give us a pure heart to let it go. Come on, somebody needs to just ask God, help me this morning, I gotta let it go. I gotta let it go. I cannot stress to you enough, you will not inherit the kingdom with this in your heart. Jesus told them, you won't even see the kingdom of heaven. God, I want your kingdom more than anything else. I want your kingdom more than anything else in my life. More than I want to be right. More than I want them to say that they're sorry. I just want your kingdom. More than I need their apology, I need your spirit. God, I just want you above everything else. And I refuse to allow my own selfishness to stand in the way of your kingdom. Father I pray for them God any whoever they may be, if I've ever criticized, if I've ever judged their ministry, if I've ever spoke negatively about the way that You've used them, God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me today. Forgive this house today. We will not be a house that judges or criticizes other ministries. We will not be a house that speaks ill of the ones that God are using. God, I refuse to be a part of a community that would judge and dismantle other ministers, but I pray for them. I lift them up today. Encourage them. Help them. Lead them. Guide them. Use them to advance your kingdom, whatever it may be, God. We pray for the other churches in this parish. We ask that you just begin to pour out your spirit. You begin to speak and declare to them. You begin to move through them. Father, we want to see every youth group full. We want to see every student ministry overflowing. Father, let it come, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. It's bigger than this church. It's bigger than your ministry. It's bigger than your moment. God let it come this morning. Ye. Oh, Father, we repent. We repent. Father, I ask, put people around me who can repent and move on. God, I want people in my life who can repent, let it go, and move on. Father, give us the people around us that would encourage us to repent, let it go, and move on. that you may receive the reward of your suffering I've been Peter I've been Peter and I've denied Jesus because of my own selfishness in whatever situation it may have been and I've fallen into one of these categories but today Jesus is standing on the shore saying do you love me do you love me Do you love me? Father, we repent. Because we just want your kingdom to come. We just want you to get what you deserve. I don't know that I've ever felt the weight of that moment between Jesus and Peter like I feel it today. Until you can serve Judas the same way you serve John, you have no place in the kingdom. (laughs) Until you can still stand by them and love them and serve with them, promote them just like you do your Peter. It's easy to promote Peter. It's easy to promote John. But Jesus said, until you can love Judas like that, you have no place in my kingdom. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss the kingdom because of a Judas. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for the sweet anesthesia of your spirit that comes to help us through these hard moments where you have to go in and remove some things. So God, we're asking this morning that you would go in and deal with our selfishness, our pettiness, remove our judgmental spirits, Remove our opinions that cause us to criticize man I just feel that's so heavy right now criticizing ministries has become too common speaking out of line or out of character about ministers has become too common Why we ask today just purify our hearts. We just want the kingdom. I just want the real thing. Father lastly, By your spirit, give us the ability to love and to serve the Judas in our own life. Jesus told the disciples, do you really think you can drink this cup? I believe a huge part of that cup was the betrayal that he was about to experience the hurt the heartache the brokenness that had to come from that kiss of betrayal Father we thank you today for your word we thank you for your guidance we thank you for your love and your mercy your grace we thank you that you've just been so good to us we thank you that you continue to show us guide us direct us lead us into your kingdom because we can't go without you and we can't go without your spirit we can't go without your spirit Help us to know what manner of spirit we are in, because we can only go into this thing with Your Spirit, Father. So help us today. We thank You for it once again. We say thank You, Jesus, because You're just too good to us. And we pray that You would receive the reward of Your suffering, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Life Church podcast.